Hello, and welcome to the Ontic Protective Intelligence Podcast. I'm Fred Burton, the Executive Director of the Ontic Center for Protective Intelligence. During my years as a counterterrorism agent with the U.S. State Department and time spent as a physical security expert in the private sector, I've seen it all and met many fascinating people along the way. This podcast series explores the riveting world of protective intelligence through conversations with leaders in the security field. I'm Fred Burton, and now on to the podcast. Hi, I'm Fred Burton, and I'm here today with Ron Warman. Ron is the founder and CEO of the Sage Group and the Great Conversation. Over the last 30 years, Ron has been helping organizations build and execute a value strategy that leverages their internal and external relationships. This has involved assessing the market and internal external investor ecosystems of Sage clients and providing them the ability to effectively and efficiently engage their clients and partners. As well, Sage helps clients identify their strategy, formalize it into an effective plan, communicate it to its employees, partners, and clients, and measure it to ensure strategic objectives are met. The Sage Group methodology, the path to value, has been leveraged successfully by clients across multiple markets and segments since 2002. Ron also believes in studying the transactions of value within market ecosystems and within company ecosystems. That led to The Great Conversation, a podcast and physical forum designed to capture the essential ideas that are working today, and more importantly, the emerging ideas that could change our lives and our businesses tomorrow. Ron, welcome to the Ontic Protective Intelligence Podcast. And I can't wait to have a great conversation with Fred Burton. Ron, tell me about the Sage Group and the Great Conversation and how you got here. Oh, it's it's really simple. I'm a strategy consultant. I work with CEOs and their teams. And uh, I ended up getting a client in this dysfunctional marketplace called Physical Security 20 years ago. <laughs> and in my due diligence of understanding the transactions in that ecosystem, I came up with a similar response to the 9-11 uh, to the 9-11 report. And that is because of that dysfunction, it was causing some serious program inefficiencies, uh, not only in the commercial space, but also in the government space. And that just lit me up. Um, and I said, lots of opportunity in this space. And I created a great conversation to begin to capture the voices uh, and the best practices that were going on and more importantly, begin to understand what the emerging best practices would be. The, the best practices probably due to technology and social shifts that would change the security practice forever. And, uh, and that's how I got into it. It's called The Great Conversation. And in the spirit of transparency, you were kind enough to have me on your podcast, which uh, I greatly enjoyed, Ron. Well, it, uh, I got to tell you, um, I had met the Antic folks, uh, Lucas Quanstrom, the CEO, and uh, and here's this guy in the background who I find out from Lucas 
actually invented the term protective intelligence. So it was a wonderful interview with you, understanding your journey, uh, in a sense, your legendary journey uh, to what you're doing today, Fred. So thank you again. You're very kind. Now, let's get right to the center of what we want to talk about today, Ron. Where do you see the convergence of cyber and physical security intersecting and unfolding? Absolutely. Near and dear to my heart, by the way. First of all, I want to give a nod to your 2021 State of Protective Intelligence report. And uh, if you remember in that report, uh, you actually cited that the three key investments that most CSOs and business leaders needed to make was in the convergence of physical and cybersecurity operationally and technology. I found that fascinating. I'm glad you're bringing it up today. So um, let's just do a little logic ladder for a second. Can we agree on a few things? Can we agree that um, convergence, the opposite of convergence would be disjointed? That is, convergence presumes that uh, we have a number of different threads that have to be brought together uh, for, um, for process improvement and process optimization. Would you agree with that? I do. So rather than going right into what most people talk about when they talk about convergence, which is technology, let's first talk about what I really think it is, Fred, and I think you'll smile at this. I think we've got a culture problem. And uh, that's a much different problem that technology can't solve until you reframe uh, the work habits and the work cultures and the expectations and the stories we tell ourselves. I call it the mental maps. And uh, if, if you don't mind, can I, can I pull on that thread for a second? Please, by all means. A company, an organization exists because it's defined a problem that people want to solve. And solving it becomes their products and their services. Inside the company, they organize people to perform roles in measurable processes using technology. And they do that so they can create outcomes that efficiently produce those products and services. We, we call those workflows. Some of the great change agents, executive change agents, call them patterns of behavior and stories they tell each other in themselves. So I have a story that says, boy, in an assembly line, I'm counting on the guy before me to give me a certain thing at a certain quality at a certain time before I can perform my function. Well, workflows pretty much perform that way inside companies. Unfortunately, many of those workflows and patterns are undocumented. So if we can agree that our operational model's goal is to reduce friction in our model, in our operational model, that is increase the speed, reduce the time it takes to perform those outcomes uh, at a optimized cost and a certain level of quality, we now have a common way to think about uh, our operation, even our security operations. So how do I know if I have a problem in that workflow where people perform roles in a measurable process using tools? Well, when the process isn't going uh, like I want to, 
and people are trying to figure out why. Uh, how about when things keep going wrong, no matter how hard everyone tries? How about when everyone believes there's a problem to solve or our customers complain, may, might even turn to another vendor? Or when I get sued or reported or shut down? Sound, sound kind of like how security feels about its problems? All the time. <laughs> so these are deeply embedded belief systems that have to be articulated and measured before they can be changed. And we have to reframe the story and it has to be championed by leadership. And this is why I think we can begin to tackle convergence in a much different way. The director of the U.S. Cyber Consequences Unit said this, Fred, you'll love this. As long as organizations treat their physical and cyber domains as separate, there's little hope of securing either one. The convergence of cyber and physical security has already occurred at the technical level. It is long overdue at the organizational level. And this is where, Fred, where I came in as a business strategist. Strategic value in an organization starts with its operating model supported by a highly engaged culture that measures itself in a unified way. And I think this is where, Fred, your methodology that has evolved over time with advanced technology comes into play. How do we take, identify, assess, measure, communicate? How do we take that process you've used? in investigations, and how do we use the new technology platforms to create cultural change with the domains of knowledge we call cyber and physical security? How would you do that? Well, uh, you certainly have to think about it from the standpoint of remapping and mindset. And as you and I know in this space, at times, uh, old habits die hard. Yes. And that and that's the problem. But we you know, the cool thing is you could do this off the top of your head, just like we are doing before the podcast here, talking about some old stories that no one in uh, the younger generations remember. But if you think about it, the the leaders that made breakthroughs did it with people and technology. We had Henry Ford who, you know, used to have a bunch of generalists working on a car all at once. And then he said, wait, wait, why don't I line them up as specialists within a unified process? Now, as I use these words, let's let's apply them later to what Antic and others are doing in the marketplace. Uh, Toyota and Deming, right? Uh, Deming goes over to Japan uh, after World War II and ends up uh, selling them on the on the no defect strategy. 80% of the problems start in the first 20% of the process. So let's do no defects. Let's sell the entire culture of a company on a unified and collaborative story of quality. I mean, that later became total quality management and lean. And then fairly recently, a woman named Mary Barra, I think, uh, of GM, she ends up inheriting the post, one of the first women in that industry to inherit the post, and is immediately confronted with the fact that she had to do a major recall. And she later finds out that that defect was known for years inside of GM. 
but was never shared or disclosed. And she starts this see it, say it, make it clear uh, and change it. And of course, Jim Collins wrote a book called Good to Great, uh, where he talked about great companies get to great because they can confront brutal facts. So back to you now, Fred, we've got similar stories right now that we can help leaders understand and begin to change the way they think of security, not cybersecurity, not physical security, security, a unified approach to it. And I think we're starting to see platforms that are going to encourage that through the use of their tool. Yeah, I believe so. It's it's certainly the future, Ron, as as somebody who once worked with three by five index cards and typewriters uh, in this space. Uh, it It is on the horizon and the future is here. And for companies not taking advantage of this at this moment in time with all the problems oh, that we are confronted with, with days of rage and the security stacking issues and COVID and the return to the workplace and active shooters. The only way you can manage that threat landscape today is by having visibility into the cyber and physical realms. We'll get back to the conversation in just a moment. But first, I wanted to tell you a little about Antec's Center for Protective Intelligence. In the world of protective intelligence, we know that gathering and sharing information is crucial. This is why we created the Antec Center for Protective Intelligence. We're regularly sharing strategies and best practices, insights learned from current and historical trends, as well as lessons learned from physical security experts like you. To find blogs, podcasts, webinars, white papers, and more, check out the center by visiting ontic.co slash center. That's ontic.co slash center. Here is the big lie. I want everyone to hear this because we keep using the phrase new normal. Well, the big lie is there's no such thing as normal. So, and you know this, to be able to adapt quickly and easily, if you're an organization for a competitive advantage, if you're a employee uh, for lifelong learning and peace of mind, as, as well as uh, adapting to new conditions inside your company and in the marketplace, there is no new normal. Your world's constantly changing, sometimes abruptly. Uh, there's no life without change. So what we need are platforms that allow us to quickly adapt within our environments. And the security leadership profession is no different. Uh, Fred, what I'm seeing now, you know, we talked about the great conversation where I interview people all the time. I like, I always like to say I don't interview them. I have a great conversation with them. And I'm finding CISOs are becoming CTOs and leading digital transformation. And CISOs are beginning to take ownership over the physical security architecture. Are you seeing that in your, in your world? I am. Uh, it is emerging. Uh, I think, like we mentioned before, Ron, uh, old habits die hard. 
for a range of different issues, reporting structure, budgets, uh, legacy systems, and how certain individuals have grown up through those security teams, for example. But uh, I do see companies moving in that direction, yes. Well, it must be fascinating to have a front row seat inside Ontic to even watch your own culture having to quickly adapt because the technology is moving so quickly. It uh, must be fun when you recruit new people into your company to actually go through that mindset shift that, you know, we're never done, right? No, I don't think you can be in this space uh, in order to see around corners, to get in front of threats, Ron. And that actually brings me to another question I want to pose to you. Do you still see security teams that are reactive versus proactive? Boy, uh, back to mental maps. When your CEO goes, what in the hell is happening in San Jose with the pandemic? You're, <laughs> what do you do? You quickly react. Right. So that's unfortunately part of the job. Now, the question you really need to be asking is when they're not reacting, what does proactive look like? And uh, Fred, and this, this is so cool about your company here. They need a process inside the company that encourages that. And I'm finding many of them don't have that process. Do you? I think more and more are moving in that direction. But I agree with you. Uh, when you look at some of the innovations that uh, have emerged and have been integrated, for example, in our platform, such as the continuous monitoring capabilities and Things such as a license plate reading system, which I can't tell you from just a practitioner perspective, the value of that. And, you know, Ron, we are all so busy in this business and you have to have technology assist you today because it's the only way you can manage that threat landscape. And... As someone uh, who has watched this business transform since uh, 1981, uh, it's the only way that you can stay in front of things is to have um, automation and technology assist you. Well, I was talking to one of the thought leaders in IoT the other day, and he just laughs. He goes, you, you understand something. And remember, he's IoT guy. He's not a physical security guy or a cybersecurity guy, even though he has to acknowledge both domains. But he was sitting there, he's going, just imagine for a second that there is this deluge of information coming from these devices today. And just so everyone knows what I mean, whether it's an IP video camera or whether it's social media or public domain knowledge, whatever and ever, whether it's human sources across the global landscape, it's a deluge of information and you don't have enough people. You don't have enough time and you don't have enough money to handle it unless you can automate that process. Yeah, that's well said. Well said. 
Ron, what are the biggest changes you expect to see in the physical security space in the next one to three years? Three changes. One, I think the convergence you led this podcast with is going to go organizational as well as uh, be operable through uh, platforms uh, that now have had its day. I mean, they are they are real now and they can be deployed. I think that's the first one. Uh, the second one is really, since we're bringing more business people into the security equation now, I hope to see, which is why I led with workflows and patterns, and uh, I'm hoping to see better measurements, people performing roles in a process using tools, so see more measurements, which will lead to more demand for real-time real situational awareness and actionable response. Notice I said real-time, and I don't think we even have that as a goal because we're not measuring our processes and showing where those inequities are in the outcomes we're trying to give to management. And then three, uh, it's already happened, uh, but the consequences of this are pretty incredible. And that is security is now definitely a board level criteria, not just cybersecurity either. So there's going to be a recognition here at the board level, which is why you're starting to see in your report, for example, that many of the budgets are increasing dramatically. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it really is. Ron, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you would like to say? Oh, just how I can hang out with Fred Burton more. I just <laughs> need, need to figure out a way to do that. It's always a great conversation with you, Fred. Well, thank you so much, Ron, for being on the Ontic Protective Intelligence Podcast. Thank you. This episode was brought to you by the Ontic Center for Protective Intelligence. Learn more at ontic.co slash center. Again, that's ontic.co slash center. It was produced by AJ McKeon. Our music is a track called Monte Verde Ride and was written by Brian Bristow and performed by Smokin' Novas. Check them out on Spotify. Please remember to rate and review our podcast on iTunes and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. If you have questions, we'd love to hear them. You can reach us at podcast at ontic.ai or visit ontic.co slash center for more information. I'm Fred Burton. Thanks for listening.